0: I'm just going to pray for us and uh, I want to invite you to pray for yourself as well. I want to do my best to serve you in the Word but um, I said it last time, I'll say it again. A bad message with a hungry heart does a lot more than a great message to a hard heart. So why don't we just pray that God will give us a hunger to hear his word and help us to respond exactly the way he wants us to from what's shared. So while I pray, you can pray for yourself and you can pray for me too. So God, we just thank you, God. We we want to hear what you have to say. Father, nobody here has arrived, not even close. Arrived in worship, arrived in humility, arrived in love, arrived in seeing everything there is to see in our holy triune God of power and goodness. And so, Father, would you give us soft and hungry hearts. God, I want to see Christ this morning. And, Father, I pray for each one of us that you'd stir up that same hunger. Lord, we want to see Christ and worship and respond and adore and serve. So, God, do a great work amongst us on this Christmas Eve morning. And every hungry hungry heart said, Amen. Amen. So, if you were with us two Sundays ago, I was talking about the Christmas story, the the birth of Jesus from Luke. And I'd mentioned that my sermon notes got way too big for one message, and so I cut that thing in half. And this is part two. And the first part of the message was um, receive, that God gave Jesus that we would receive him, that we would say yes, that we would open our arms, open our minds, open our hearts, and receive everything that there is to receive in Christ. And God was talking to us about receiving Christ by how he worked out Jesus being born. Okay, so Jesus said as an adult that he is the bread from heaven come down. What city did he get born into? Bethlehem. And Bethlehem means? The house of bread. Bread. So the bread of heaven was born in the house of bread, and when he needed to go for a little lie down, what did they put him into? A, A manger, which is a feeding trough, which is where you put food. And when the angels went to the shepherds to declare that the bread of heaven was in the house of bread in a feeding trough, he said to the angel, or to the shepherds, unto you is born this night a Savior. Not unto Mary, who is the one doing all the hard work, but unto you. Shepherds, strangers, people who have never met Mary before, never met Jesus before, unto you is born this night a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the bread of heaven, born in the house of bread, laying in a feeding trough, go and get him. He's meant to be received. So receive Jesus, Calvary Chapel. And guess what? I know for certain that between last Sunday and the Sunday before that, which is when I talked, and this Sunday, you have not received enough Jesus yet. Amen. You may have gotten full, but there is more Jesus to be received. Amen. As long as you can breathe, there's more Christ. And newsflash, when we go to heaven, all of eternity will be receiving the glory of Christ and it will never run out and never be done. Okay. So receive him again this morning. However, and yet, and but, and let me add to that, there is another perspective. And this was the thing that was blowing me away about the two Christmas stories. Okay, there's two of the four Gospels spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' birth. Mark kind of just alludes to it. John, not so much. They just start their story with Jesus being an adult. When Matthew covers the story of the birth of Christ, he does not emphasize that Christ came to be received. He emphasizes that Christ came to be given to that Christ came to receive something. And so we've got these two perspectives in these two different Gospels. Christ came to be given for us to receive, and Christ came to receive something for us, for us to give to Him. Okay, so this is part two, this is the other perspective, this is the other side. And so I am going to read to you, and you can listen with me, or read along as you have Bibles with you. Matthew chapter 2, the story of the Magi. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The first thing I want to just show and emphasize from this story was the motivation of the Magi, okay? The motivation of these wise men. And people don't totally know exactly what it meant to be a magi or a wise man. I kind of picture it's that same kind of person, if you go to the book of Daniel, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar has these crazy dreams, he gathers together all his magicians and all of his wise men to try to figure out what the dreams were. They're like a royal, divining class of people, and so they're royalty, but they're not necessarily the king-king. And so these people have come a long way to worship the king. And so how I understand it, just looking at the scriptures... Is that these guys were astrologers of some kind? They like to look at the stars and try to divine the future or what's going on in the, the the realm of the gods or whatever they understood by looking at the stars. And something changed. Something changed, which is unusual. Hello? Yes? No? Maybe so? Something changed, and they they interpreted it correctly. God was bowing down and humbling himself to speak to them in a way that their pagan theology could understand. Hello, because the Bible never tells us this is how you interpret stars. That's kind of like a pagan thing. But God humbled himself to work with their language so that they would show up on time. Because he had a purpose for them. Okay? Okay? So he humbles himself and he makes the star work in a way that they would understand and they go something's happening here there's a king that's going to that is being born king of the Jews we need to go find him and this is where already I'm being struck Okay, because they live in the east, the Bible tells us. They're some far, far way away. I don't know if they're in Iraq or somewhere else. They, the Bible just says they're from the east. But it was going to be quite a haul to get to Jerusalem to try to find this king. Okay, So they're not, they don't just fill up the tank with gas and then just say, well, I should call in sick to work and then just drive. Because they got a credit card and they know that there's a Super 8 every 50 miles down the highway. When you're doing a multi-hundred-mile journey across deserts, and you're rich, and you're carrying things like gold and frankincense and myrrh, that's not a small deal. That's going to take a lot of prep time, and a lot of wealth, and a lot of practice, and so they really were investing a long time in their life just to go to somebody and worship him and leave him with their riches and then come home. And we kind of, when you see the movies and the plays, it's usually just like three guys with these big hats and the shiny things, in there, and they come and they show up. I kind of doubt it, because if you're loaded and traveling with lots of riches, you usually would have, like, cooks and bodyguards and slaves carrying your stuff around, so... We don't know how many magi there were. There, we, we, we usually think that there were three because one had the gold, and one had the frankincense, and one had the myrrh. I doubt it. They probably all brought a little bit of everything, you know. there's not like, I'm going to be the gold guy. Why do you get to be the gold guy? You always be the gold guy. I'm stuck with this stinky myrrh. You know, it's, it's probably not how it went down, but whatever. And, uh, but there's probably a big retinue, a big gang of people. So that when they showed up at Herod's court, they didn't just look like a bunch of beggars standing outside the door. They showed up like a royal envoy, which is what they were. But just, I'm just trying to paint a picture of how much energy and time and effort went into this. And what was their motivation? I want to worship. And the thing that strikes me about this story is that this story of the Magi it doesn't mention anything about salvation. Hello? Now we know that Jesus was sent from Matthew to save his people because that's why he was named Jesus, but in the story of the Magi, it never comes out. It never comes out that Jesus was born to be a savior. It never comes out that he's actually the son of God, the incarnate word coming down. All it's emphasizing is that he is the king. And there were these Magi from miles away who were willing to totally press pause on their life and spend tons of money and then leave gifts that are tons of money at this king's feet. Because he's the king, okay? And there's no promise that they're going to get anything out of it. Hello, did you notice? If you show up and worship at Jesus' feet, he'll give you eternal life. Doesn't come up in this story at all. It's just he's worthy. And then the the star said, "You better show up." And so for many many people, it wouldn't have been something they'd even get out of bed for. Oh wow! Look, there's a star there. There's a king that's being born in Jerusalem. Aren't we amazing to figure that out? Wow, we're some of the best magi ever. We should put that on our blog. Magiblog.com Yo, what's up? All my peeps out in Jerusalem, go check out for a baby, because I figured it out. Send me money. Click on my advertisers. You don't you want to support our site? No. They didn't sit around talking about how awesome they were. They said, there is a king born... We need to expend ourselves to worship him. Amen? And so they did. Now, in this journey, they were led a few different ways, and I and I think this is important. This might feel like a bit of a rabbit trail, and if it is, get the rabbit. Okay. If this is a rabbit trail, go home with the rabbit, and then we'll get back onto the regular trail here. Notice how God led them. Now, we know from the shepherd's story that God, if he wants to get people somewhere, he can just send an angel. If he wants to move Joseph to Egypt, he can just send an angel. We know this. He, we, he can lead people however he wants to. How did he lead these magi? Okay, he starts off by doing something in the stars, which isn't easy. I I'm alluded to that a little bit. It really is not easy to move stars around. Hello? Have you ever tried? Go ahead. Let me know how it goes. Start a blog. Movingstars.com click on my advertisers you know sorry i just really giving bloggers a hard time this morning um it's hard to do that and they see a star in the heavens and i think i don't think that they actually followed the star to jerusalem i think they saw the star they interpreted it and they thought where do you find kings of jews in jerusalem so we'll just go to jerusalem and find out what's going on there And then when they get to Jerusalem, they find out there hasn't been a baby born since this star showed up, so what's the deal? And so they have to ask, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? And Herod freaks out because it's not one of his kids. And right now he thinks he's the king of the Jews and so all of Jerusalem is upset because this humongous royal retinue has showed up and everybody's like, who are these guys? And when they find out that they're here because a star came and they believe that the king of the Jews has showed up, everybody's like, what's going on here? This does not fit into our calendar or our ideas of how the world works or the politics of the time. This does not configure and all of a sudden everybody's upset. So God has led them thus far. How does he lead them next? First, it's with a star in the sky. Second, it's with the word of God. They say, where is this king? And Herod, strangely, 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 even though he has the heart of a mass murderer, he knows what to do. You look in the book. So he calls his priests, he calls his scribe, and he asks them the question, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And even though these are probably corrupt priests and probably weirdo scribes because they're working with Herod, they're right. Hello, amen? They're right. Because the book's right here to be read. So they're right. They say, Bethlehem. And so, what do the Magi do? Do they say, well, how old is that book? Because if that book is old, it's probably wrong. How can you actually trust a book that's 600 years old or 3,000 years old? Like, shouldn't we just, we're, we're magi. We're really smart. We figured out the star in the sky. We don't actually need your book. No, they believed it. Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, we're going to Bethlehem. They believed the word of God. And then after they believed the word of God, what happened? God really went all out with the star. Because they're going to Bethlehem and all of a sudden that star that was just in the sky saying there's a king born is now hovering over a house. Did you catch that? The star that they had seen in the east is now resting over the place where Jesus was born. How many of you know that stars don't rest over houses? Okay, you can go wherever you live. Go in the street tonight when the stars are out. Hopefully it will be clear. Make sure you're bundled up. I don't want you getting hypothermia because I told you to do something. Big boots, big pants, big scarf, hat, all the whole thing. And then pick a star that's right over where you live and then just go like this like 10 or 15 times and you know what happens? That star's not over that house anymore because the angle's changed. Right? Stars don't rest over anything on this planet. They move. If you move, it changes because they're so far away. So when all of a sudden there's a star that is staying over a house, that's weird and awesome and totally explains why the magi who know about stars are suddenly rejoicing with great joy. They're like, it must be the house because stars don't do that. that does that make sense? They're not just like, hey, that's cool. Another cool thing. They're like freaking out. They rejoiced with great joy because the star that's supposed to be up there somewhere telling us that the the, king of the Jews has been born is now over this house. And and as we wind our way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, it stays over the same house. And that doesn't happen. Yay! Amen? Um, We had this really important meeting on Thursday about building stuff. And it was a bit of a miracle what we were talking about. And so on Friday, our real estate agent came into the, house, to the church here, and he's talking with Greg and I, and he says to us, just before we get started, um, just so you know, what happened wasn't, shouldn't have happened. Just so you know, that shouldn't have happened. What's happening shouldn't have happened. And so the proper response is, rejoicing with great joy about what did happen. Amen? So that's what they're doing. They're like, this, it doesn't happen. So praise God and let's rejoice. Amen? So the point I'm trying to make is that creation and the Word are working together. But what would have happened to these Magi's if they had a bad attitude about the written Word of God? They would have never found Jesus. If you have a bad attitude about the written Word of God, you don't find Jesus. Okay, last point. They came to worship without any promise of personal gain. They were led by the world and the word together. And when they came, they gave to his greatness. Okay, so this is partly with the coming to worship, but there's this weird thing that happens in some cultures, okay? they get these ideas that if you meet somebody who's greater than you, the appropriate response is to acknowledge that greatness, even at personal cost. Okay, so this same thing kind of happened. Do you remember when Solomon was all in the height of his glory, and he's, he, silver is so common that they just like throw it on the ground. If you found a silver coin, it would be worth like a fair amount of money. An ounce of silver is worth like 20 bucks or something like that, which most people wouldn't just be like, about 20 bucks. You'd be thinking, hey, this is like, 50 McNuggets, which is great. I won't feel good afterwards, but during, it's going to be awesome. And Solomon's so wealthy that people are like, oh, that's just silver. Get it out of here. Give me some gold. This gold coin's worth $5. And so he's just so loaded and rich. And here comes the Queen of Sheba from the south, right? She's heard about his wisdom. She wants to come and hear about his wisdom and see all of his... Like he made... The temple was all covered in gold and he had a throne made out of gold on top of seven stairs made out of gold with lions made out of gold. There's just gold everywhere. You're just kind of like, oh, gold. I'm so bored of gold. So wealthy, so rich. And the Queen of Sheba comes to, to hear his wisdom and in response to his greatness and his wealth, what does she do? Does she say, you got any more gold lying around? No, she says, here's spices, here's rich, here's all the wealth of my land I give to you to honor your greatness. Amen? And same with these guys. They get it. When you're going to honor greatness like someone who is the king, you bring your greatness and you lay down your greatness at their greatness because that increases your greatness. I got to honor the king! And we're not kind of like that in the West. So just imagine you had a family member, mom, dad, cousin, brother, uncle, and they they won like American Idol or something. So they emigrated because the Canadian, whatever. And uh, they won a big one. And so all of a sudden they're famous and stinking rich. What we usually don't do is say, hey man, I heard you're stinking rich and famous now. I bought you a car. Right? No, we'd show up and be like, so you're buying lunch today? we go to the keg instead of to mcdonald's right when you're in the presence of greatness we 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 try to carve off a little for ourselves gonna get me some of that just looking in your couch cushions because maybe you know you don't just drop pennies in there anymore you just lose rolls of hundreds because you don't even care you're so rich right that's our way i want to get next to greatness so that i can leech some of that (laughs) leech some of that greatness off And the magi are there going, I want to lose my greatness in your presence. I want to lose my greatness in your presence. I want to honor your greatness with my greatness. I want to lose my greatness because that's how it's supposed to work. When you meet something so great, you want to give your best to it. And that's the best way to live. Do you notice the difference? Like, that's not how we think. Oh, man, this is awesome. I'm going to go meet with a millionaire. Let's go get some gold coins and leave them with the millionaire. Right? It's, it's, it's WIFM. You ever heard of WIFM before? What's in it for me? I was in this business leadership training and it's kind of like, if you're not thinking about WIFM for people, you can't motivate people because people come to work and all they ask is what's in it for me. And if you can't tell them what's in it for them, they're just going to tune out. Praise and promotions and money. And if you're not getting the money the praise or promotion, people just tune right out. Welcome to church. What's in it for me, Jesus? I know you died on the cross. I know you gave me the Spirit. I know I'm getting eternal life, but what have you done for me lately? Because I had a bad day yesterday, so you must be failing me. Maybe not. Maybe every day Jesus deserves our best. Because he's the king. And every day he's the king. Amen? Amen. Yeah, he he loves us. And he knows we have hard days. And he's with us. And he did really die for us. But he's always the king. And if we had to travel 200 miles on the back of a stinky camel looking at the guy in front of us, his camel's rear end, just so we could show up and give him all of our money, that would be for our glory. Amen? Amen? If we had to travel thousands of miles to go to a country where none of the food tastes right and you don't know if you're going to be broke at the end, that is for your glory. Amen? Amen? If we're going to move into a building and we have no idea how the finances are going to really work or no idea if this is going to fly or no idea if it's going to fall apart, it would be for His glory and our glory because the wise men went home poorer a lot poorer, in order to glorify Jesus. Amen? So let's wrap this up in a bow and bring it home and land the airplane. For Christmas, for Christmas, don't leave Jesus without a present underneath your tree. It's it's not about us first. It's about us second. It really is about Christ first. The stars in the sky are about Christ. The mountains are about Christ. Gold is about Christ. Frankincense is about Christ. Myrrh is about Christ. Food is about Christ. Warmth is about Christ. Cars are about Christ. Joy is about Christ. Love is about Christ. Peace is about Christ. Everything is about Christ. Snow is about Christ. Gravity is about Christ. The universe is about Christ. Life is about Christ. Death is about Christ. Everything is about Christ. And if you want to be great, give it all to Christ. If you want to be great, give what he has loaned you, your life, your time, your wealth, your family, your joy, to Christ, because he's the king. And he will honor you. How many magi do you think there were in the world when these guys went to go see Jesus? Tons. How many of them mattered? Just the ones that went and saw Christ. There were so many important magi doing important things all their important lives and the Bible doesn't give one whiff of a thought about them because they ignored the son when he came. It is our glory to glorify Christ and he will honor us in return though he doesn't have to. Amen? Why don't we pray? Why don't we worship? Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I pray you'd help me. I pray you'd help each one of us to give everything we have to Christ, this man, this God-man that you have given to us that we are called to receive and with him receive all things. God, I just pray you'd help us. Lord, I think that there are people here who are bored with being Christians because they eat eat and eat and eat and eat and they never give it all back to Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would give us an excitement to give our lives to Christ and to lay things down to Jesus and to have joy and being on an adventure with Jesus the Lord. Be glorified and amen.